Good morning, everybody. Uh, <clears throat> powerful readings today. Um, before we jump in, don't you just love the kids coming up? We just started this up again. It's so cute. It's the hardest part of being a priest. So today, when I handed the book to the kids, I'm like, who wants to carry the book? And they're not ready for that yet, so they were kind of sheepish. I promise you, next week, they're all going to raise their hands. And what always happens is every time the priest says, who's, who's already carried the book? That all the hands go down. I'm like, you little liars. Original <laughs> sin is a dogma of the church. Have you, I know you have, but have you ever been caught staring at an attractive person? Right? Now I feel weird looking out at all of you. <laughs> I'm like... The worst one that ever happened to me when I was a, a Focus missionary, there was a girl, when I went into Focus, I had this huge crush on this girl. And she was a, a missionary at the same time as me. And one time we were in class, we were in summer training, we were being taught the faith. Uh, I didn't know I was called to priesthood yet, okay? And I was just staring at this girl. I was sitting behind her in class, and I was totally just captivated by her. And right, she turned around and stared right at me at a moment where I was licking my lips. <laughs> and it was like, oh no. <laughs> like, I promise I'm not a creep. Like, I, I, it was like the most awkward moment ever. Um, no, that's not why I entered priesthood. Today, what I want to do with you, all I want to do today is super powerful, but I want to break down one phrase in our gospel. One phrase in our gospel. Today, John the Baptist sees Jesus and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we're going to get to this in the second part when we come back to, to behold. But just to kind of set that up a little bit, you could read that verse, if you open John's gospel, if you go home today and you read that verse, John 1.29, if you go home and read that verse today, it might feel like John is just saying, oh, look over there, that's kind of cool. But I want to get to today, and we'll come around to this, is that John the Baptist and the church don't want us just to see in a normal way. They want us to be captivated, to perceive the beauty of the one who loves us. And to be a Christian, brothers and sisters, prior to any behavior, prior to any action, to be a Christian means to see. It means that our eyes perceive Christ, that our hearts are open to him, that his glory breaks into our hearts and our souls. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What did John the Baptist mean by this? John the Evangelist, right, who writes this gospel, he doesn't explain to us what John the Baptist means. When he says, this is the Lamb of God, and he says it twice, right, in, in today's gospel and then in the next section. He says it twice. 
And so for John, John wants to highlight this, this phrase, the Lamb of God. And there's three meanings, at least three. There's three prominent meanings in the gospel when we say Jesus is the Lamb of God. The first one, probably the most obvious, I, whenever I first think of this, I always think, Lamb of God, well, that's the Passover lamb. And it's true that it is the Passover lamb that John the Baptist is referring to. Jesus is our Passover. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, St. Paul says, Christ, our Passover, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us celebrate the festival. And in John's gospel, John is at pains to show us that Jesus is the Passover lamb. In John chapter 19, we're told, right, that Jesus, uh, that not a bone is broken in his body. And John says this is to fulfill the passage, not a bone of his shall be broken, which is referring to the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12. On the cross, Jesus, right, there's a sprig of hyssop. They take hyssop, they dip it in wine, and they hold it to his lips when he says, I thirst. Hyssop is what they use to put the blood of the Passover lamb on the doors of houses in Exodus 12. There's five other references in John 19 to the Exodus lamb, to the Passover lamb. So that's one of them. Behold the lamb of God, the Passover lamb, who frees you from Egypt, from slavery and sin, who is sacrificed so that you would have new life in the kingdom of God. That's the first meaning. But it doesn't complete the picture. And the reason for this is when John the Baptist says, who takes away the sins of the world, that's the language of sacrifice in the temple. Temple sacrifice takes away sin. And in Judaism, the Passover lamb is not considered a sacrifice because it doesn't happen in the temple. There's some nuance to that, but we're going to skip that today. So the second reference, a lot of Scripture scholars, what they'll say, in fact, almost all of them, which is rare, they, all, they tend to see that what John does here is he, he inserts into the Passover lamb also the image of the suffering servant. And you all know this passage, Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53, he talks about a servant of God who will suffer. In verse 7 of Isaiah 53, it says this, it says, and we read this, by the way, every Good Friday. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. So Isaiah 53 compares the servant to a lamb led to slaughter, and it says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So Isaiah 53 compares a servant to a lamb and the sacrifice of the servant takes away the sins of us all. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Powerful, 
powerful stuff. But my favorite is the third image that's woven into this. The third image, the third reason why John the Baptist looks at Jesus today is says, Behold the Lamb of God. It goes all the way back to Genesis 22 because this is not just any lamb. This is the Lamb of God. In Genesis 22, you know that passage as well. Genesis 22 is where Abraham sacrifices Isaac. And of course, this great foreshadowing of Jesus' crucifixion, Abraham takes his beloved son Isaac. He goes up a mountain, and Isaac carries a bunch of wood, and he carries a knife, and he goes as a willing victim in obedience to his father. The place where Isaac is sacrificed will later become Jerusalem. And so in Genesis 22, Isaac goes up the mountain and he turns to his father Abraham. And he says, Father, here is the wood for the sacrifice and here is the knife to kill the the victim. But where is the animal we are to sacrifice? And Abraham, if you know the story, he turns to his son and he says, Son, God himself will provide the lamb. God himself will provide the lamb. The Jews notice this language. What happens then, they they go to to sacrifice it, and of course, God stops Abraham from sacrificing Isaac, and instead they find a ram, not a lamb, but a ram, in a thicket, and they sacrifice the ram. And this gets so good. When I first was studying the faith, I remember learning this, and I was just like, how is anyone not Catholic? Right? And, and, that's, and if you're not Catholic, like, I'm going to smack you after Mass if you don't come to RCIA. But what happens in that story, so, the, so they sacrifice the ram, For the rest of Jewish history to the time of Christ, every day in the temple there's what's called the daily offering, the tamid in Hebrew. First thing in the morning, the very first thing priests do every day in the temple, they sacrifice a lamb to God and they blow the shofar. The shofar is a ram's horn. And they blow that every morning in the temple to remind God that he promised to send a lamb and he has not yet fulfilled his promise. Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amazing stuff. Brothers and sisters, our forefathers in the faith, the Jewish people longed for the day that God would send a lamb that would fulfill the promise to Abraham. And he did. And that lamb is the suffering servant. He is the true Passover lamb. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And today what I want to invite you to 
is to behold him. Every time you come to Mass, the priest elevates the Eucharistic host and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Being a Christian is about seeing something. And all the saints, when you read them, they constantly renewed their vision. They constantly turned to Jesus and their hearts were renewed. Origen, I love reading Origen. Origen talks about how whenever we turn to Christ, the fount of the new covenant, the fountains of living water are opened in our hearts and we find life and joy. St. Bonaventure says this, he says, God is mocked so that you may be honored. He is flogged so that you may be consoled. He is crucified so you may be set free. The spotless lamb is slaughtered so that you may be fed. The lance brings forth water and blood from his side so that you may drink. O oh Lord Jesus Christ, who for my sake did not spare yourself, wound my heart through your wounds, inebriate my spirit by your blood, so that wherever I may go, I may continually have you before my eyes crucified, and may be able to find nothing else but you. Brothers and sisters, being a Christian, and we all know this, don't we? Just like in a marriage, being a good Christian is renewing your heart. It's falling in love over and over again. All of us as Christians and human beings, it's just natural for us to go through life and we get used to the blessings we have. We grow comfortable with our faith. We assume our blessings. And we go kind of numb and we begin to go through the motions. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is beauty. Bonaventure, one of his favorite lines for Christ as he calls him, beauty beyond all hope. Beauty beyond all hope. This is our task. When you take your eyes off Christ, what happens, right, is we, we fall in love with other things. So easy to happen. All of us do it. It's so easy for us to think that something else in my life will finally make me happy. Yesterday I was like, I need a new messenger bag and like a leather one that looks cool and like smart people would use. I'm like, it'll be awesome. Right? And then and there's nothing wrong. I'm probably going to get that. Don't judge me. <laughs> but it's so easy to do that, right? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to renew your vision of God. Jesus, may your wounds and your hands and your feet 
May they wound my heart. May I not just know things about you, Jesus, that you, you are the fulfillment of the daily sacrifice in the temple. May I not just know that. But Lord, may I love you with everything. When the church, brothers and sisters, I, it's a temptation in every age and every generation. When the church, we have all these debates in the church right now about all kinds of things. We have the liturgy wars. Right? We have this big debate about like Francis and Benedict and Archbishop Gonswine and what's his book going to say and when's the English going to come out. And we have good debates we have about different theology, theological issues. That's fine. Unless it becomes the center. Unless you think you're a good Catholic because you think your liturgy is better than someone else's. Jesus is the center. He is our everything. There are a thousand other questions that matter, but not if you don't put him at the center of your heart. Jesus, help us to do that today. Lord, help us not just to see you, but to behold you. To let your love, your crucified love, wound us, to change us, to captivate us. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world.